You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. message in my heart this morning that I want to dive into, but before I kind of go into it, I want to say to you, we're going to be racing from one scripture to another this morning. I've got, uh, I think, six different scriptures plugged in here, and so buckle your seatbelt and be prepared, but uh, we have been spending the summer talking about these essential ingredients that make up the church, worship, community, and mission. And our heart in doing that is just to understand what makes up the church. And it's like the central ingredients, right? Um, really, I look at it as we're looking at the, the, the cellular health of the church. Uh, you think about, you know, what makes a body healthy. It's often the unseen things that your organs are working properly. And all of that comes down to a very cellular level. And this morning, I feel like we're going into something even more specific, really into our own hearts as individuals, not just, you know, not just these smaller expressions of church, but really us as individuals and how we then play into the function of the church and the world. And in some sense, we're going to look at big picture of who we are as the church and the world, but then boil it down to a more focused aspect of the heart. To say it this way, what I want to talk about today is how we are actually invited by God to live in this, on this earth as access points between heaven and earth. Um, I feel like Lucas, as he opened up the service, I don't know how many were in the room at that moment, but I was like, dude, you're like, you're preaching my message. There was like all these scriptures that are, that are plugged into my uh, iPad here this morning that he was touching on. And before we kind of go into some of those, I want to start with um, something that, that Bill Johnson, I would give him credit for pointing this out in the scriptures to me years ago, and I want to share it with you. And so we're going to start this morning in Genesis 28, and uh, this is a story of Jacob. And Jacob has just left his father's house. He's been sent out to find a wife. We know the story goes on, and he meets Rachel and Leah and all that story. But before that, there's this moment here in Genesis 28 where Jacob, he's out in the wilderness and he sleeps. He uses a rock as a pillow. Maybe you're f- familiar with the story. But he has this dream. And in verse 12, it says this. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the story goes on and describes what God spoke to Jacob that night. And then we jump to verse 17, and Jacob makes this statement. And he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And what I want to just point out is when he makes this statement, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. There's a few descriptive things that we saw there. Heaven was opened. Angels were ascending and descending, right? 
And there's this gate. He, refer, he refers to it as this gate, the gate of heaven. These are characteristics of the house of God. We, the church, are called the house of God. And there's, there's to be this, this open heaven, this angelic activity. There's this gate there. What is a gate? An entrance, a door. A gate is like a, is like a threshold between two realms, if you will. Maybe you're out on the sidewalk, you go through a gate and you're in someone's front yard. Maybe you're in a public space, you go through a gate and you're into private property, right? Like a gate is a point where you access from one space to another. And the house of God is actually designed to be a gate between these two realms. I want to point out, this is, this is the part that, that Bill showed me years ago. We're going to go to John 1.51. And Jesus has just given this word of knowledge to Nathaniel. This is Nathaniel just meeting Jesus for the first time. And he's amazed that Jesus had seen what he had been up to previous to them meeting. And then Jesus says to him, you know, you're going to see more than this. And in verse 51, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. It's an interesting thing. Jesus is throwing back to this scripture in Genesis 28, what Jacob saw. And we know Jesus refers to himself kind of subversively as being the temple of God. Jesus did all that he did as a man on earth. Fully God, fully man. But he lived as a man so that he could actually say to us, follow me. We're called to follow him, be like him. And we can see Jesus is actually describing himself as this place where heaven and earth intersect. This house of God, this gate of heaven. Are you guys with me? We're invited to live in this world as access points between these realms. Very connected to what's happening on earth, but also very connected to heaven. A point at which heaven touches earth. Jesus went about always saying, the kingdom of God has come near to you wherever he went. Where Jesus went, the sick were healed, the blind saw, the dead were raised, the demon possessed were set free. The poor had good news preached to them. Heaven touched earth through Jesus. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our leader. He's our teacher. We follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I find this a big, mind-bending picture called to be a gate between heaven and earth. You know, Lucas was talking about some of these realities and injustice that we see in the world around us. Yeah, we're very aware of it. 
But do we live aware of the reality of heaven? Which has the preeminent focus of our heart and our mind? Another well-known scripture, Psalm 100, verse 4. We enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Is the answer up there on the screen? There you go. There's something in thanksgiving and praise. That is how we come into his presence. You know, you may go, well, hey, that was somebody just writing about that's how you're supposed to come into the temple. You know, it was this invitation when you come into the temple, come with thanksgiving and praise. I believe there is something really specific for us to learn in that statement. If you want another one, we'll go to Psalm 60. In Psalm 60, verse 18, this is, this is Isaiah essentially prophesying about the new Jerusalem. Where heaven and earth come together. It says, As violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates. Is it up there? It's not up there? Okay. Your gates praise. Your walls salvation and your gates will be called praise. And he goes on in the verse following, talking about how this place, there's going to be neither neither sun nor moon because God himself will be the light there. I'll just read it. It's not not in there. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Now that place where God is the light, where there's no sun or moon needed anymore, the gates into it are called praise. And there is this this thing that we see in Scripture that praise and thanksgiving, they're like essential ingredients to fellowship with God. Praise and thanksgiving are synonymous with fellowship with God. They're like one and the same. When you start to sing his praises and talk of how good he is, when you start to give thanks for what he's done in your life and in the world around you, you are actually fellowshipping with God in that very act. You're engaging your heart and your mind and your spirit with the reality of who he is. You are, if you will, stepping through that gate. You're you're, you're touching into that realm between heaven and earth, when we sing in here together like we just were, we are expressing the very thing that goes on in heaven round the clock. And very much essential to who we are as God's people in the earth, we are kingdom come, heaven come, here on earth people. That's our mission. When when they said, teach us to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We live as kingdom come people. 
And when we start to praise and give thanks and posture our hearts in that place, we are actually tapping into the reality of heaven on some level. We're expressing the reality of heaven on earth. And so we have these longings and these desires to see justice, to see righteousness, to see the sick healed, to see the captive set free. And there's something about learning this lifestyle, this posture of praise and thanksgiving. Where through it, we start to get saturated with the reality of heaven. You guys with me? You want to be an access point for heaven touching earth? Cultivate a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving. We're going to read a scripture here in a minute that was what God really grabbed me with and got me wanting to speak about this today. And I want to say to you that I'm up here sharing this with you, not as a like, hey, I've got this all together and it's perfect. Just, you know, do exactly like me. It's like, no, this is, this is a, a wrestle in life. We wrestle to enter into this place. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Because I don't know about you, but the alternative is not great at all. So before we open up this next scripture, I just want to present it to you as... um, We often call him the Apostle Paul, right? Today we'll call him Dr. Paul. And it's like Dr. Paul's prescription. He's going to give us some some do's and don'ts. You know when when you have maybe some sickness in your life? You go to the doctor and the doctor might say, Hey, you need to cut out all that sugar. You need to lower the salt. You might need to, you know, trim back on the ice cream or whatever it might, might be. Maybe start, stop drinking so much, right? So stop these. And maybe you need to add a little more fiber to your diet. Maybe you need to add a little more protein. Maybe you need to uh, discover some healthy fats, you know, or whole carbohydrates, right? Like there's, there's good carbs and bad carbs and all that stuff. You get what I'm saying. You're saying less of this, more of that. Well, I was reading this the other day, and it just grabbed hold of me, given our current culture that we live in. And interestingly enough, this was written 2,000 years ago, and it applied then, too. Philippians 2, uh, verse 14 and 15, and I, I even find it interesting, the verses before is where he says, work out your own salvation. There's this this wrestle, this working involved. But here he goes, and he says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. Should we just stop there? (laughs) It's enough work. (laughs) I got my homework cut out for me. I will read it again. Do all things without complaining 
and disputing. I, I think that it is fair to say that, like, when Paul wrote this, you know, I think he understood that he, he was prescribing some serious work to the people reading it. And I would say to us, it's, it's not so much like, hey, do this, otherwise God's not going to love you. You know, it's not, it's not like that. It's a bit more like here. Try this. Maybe try cutting that sugar down, that salt down, that alcohol down. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Let's read the next verse. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You want to shine some of that glory of heaven in the world? You want to open that gate up a little bit and let the glory of God shine through? Let's just start by a little less complaining and disputing. Because you realize complaining and disputing seems to be the currency of the culture today. It's fashionable to be angry and offended. It is. It's like, I'm so angry. And it's like, hey, good job. You know, it's like you get applauded for being angry and complaining and visceral and calling people out. Posting your argument. Like, like, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday, and it's like, whoever said, oh, thank you for publicly shaming me on Facebook. I've got it all together now. Thank you so much. You set me straight. It just doesn't work like that. And I'm not saying there's not a place. I'm not, like, I'm getting a little visceral now. And it's just we're called to be of a different spirit. You know, Lucas referenced the scripture at the beginning, be angry, do not sin. It's right to be angry about injustice in the world. It's not wrong. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. And I want to say we can pursue justice without using the enemy of our souls, tools, and tactics. We engage in a different way. I I couldn't help, like, Lucas and I were chatting about this a bit yesterday. And uh, he reminded me of a, a movie we had watched the night before. Uh, and if you have intentions of watching the new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, <laughs> I give you a spoiler alert right now, okay? So if you want to step out of the room for two minutes or mute your, uh, mute your, your live stream feed, I tell you, okay, come on, listen to me before you play gears. It's a comic book movie, okay? Like, you know what's going to happen. So I'm not going to ruin it that much for you. 
You've been warned. It's really not that big of a spoiler, but I still wanted to protect you. So you've got this character who's, who's the father of Shang-Chi. And he's got these power, this power from these ten rings. And his wife's died years before, and he's hearing this voice calling him to her motherland, saying that behind this gate, she's been held prisoner, and you're going you're gonna to go free her by getting this gate open. But all the people who, who know that land are like, no, 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 no. Behind that gate is a soul-sucking dragon. <laughs> Literally. That's, 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 that's behind the gate. And he is convinced that he's going to get exactly what he wants by going and just smashing into this gate and smashing into this gate with all of his anger and frustration. And what he ends up releasing is a soul-sucking dragon. Yeah, Lucas was like, I was like, here's what I feel is in my heart for tomorrow. And Lucas was like, it's just like in the movie. And I was like, whoa. You know, I didn't see it. And, but there, there is this thing that it's like through that posture, that complaining and disputing, you may think that you're going to be getting that thing that you're after, that justice, that righteousness, that truth in the earth. And yet you're actually partnering with the soul-sucking dragon, if you will, on the other side of that thing to let it out. preacher once said this that I just stuck with me for years. Complaining is to the devil what praise is to God. Now, I'm not saying there's no place for us to see what's wrong in the world and speak to it. I'm not talking about burying our head in the sand and denying that there's trouble in the world. What do we give influence to in our heart, in our mind, with our words, with our attitudes? What spirit are we partnering with? Angels ascending and descending upon a ladder, doing God's bidding. And what do angels do? We see them worshiping throughout Scripture. There are other spirits in the world. And I really just have this sense, it's like, through our praise or complaining, we choose which gate we want to open. Heaven or hell? What are we releasing into the earth? Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with, with good. You don't put out a fire with fire. So I told you we're gonna we're gonna hear some do's and don'ts. Let's jump to some do's. First Thessalonians five, sixteen to eighteen. I remember my dad years ago saying to me, You wanna know the will of God for your life? Read this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
So maybe cut a little complaining and disputing out of your diet and add a little more rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving. You know, rejoice always. Choose to celebrate what's good. Choose to let who God is and what he's done and how he's sovereignly ruling over all things and working it out for our good to be what governs your attitude and your heart and your mind. Yes, in the pursuit of justice. With rejoicing. Pray continually. Doesn't say post continually. Pray continually. In other words, bring your burdens to the Lord and process it with Him. Like prayer isn't always this thing that's all squeaky clean and and well-crafted. It can be, Jesus, have you seen what's happening in the earth today? But rather than carrying it all by ourselves, we bring it to him in prayer. With rejoicing, with thanksgiving. You know, it doesn't mean pray every minute of every day. I think that's, that's a good idea, not a, bad, not a bad idea. But it definitely means don't quit. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep coming back to him. In everything, give thanks. So in any situation, what can you look for to thank God for? What can you find to thank God for? Again, we're not talking about denial of reality. We're not talking about pretending that the loved one doesn't have cancer who you know has cancer. We're not talking about pretending that injustice doesn't exist. It's talking about what are you going to give ultimate influence to in your life. Because, you see, actually living this out, do all things without complaining and disputing, rejoice always, pray continually and everything, give thanks. It doesn't just flow from better effort. It comes from what do I feed on? What am I looking at? What am I giving my mind to and my time to? You know, if you spend, I'll just say it, if you spend more time on social media than you do meditating on the gospel, whether it's in the scriptures or in prayer or in worship or in conversation with friends, probably not feeding your soul very well. And, and again, I'm not saying like social media is all bad. There's great glorifying God, wonderful stuff on social media. You guys know what I'm getting at. You've been on Facebook. <laughs> you know, you've been on Twitter. You've seen all the stuff that's out there. You know what I'm talking about. And I think to myself, like this idea of, of this gate to heaven and this praise and this thanksgiving, and I find myself reminded of like 
years ago, I remember I had like some flu. I had fever and chills and just horrible feelings in my body. I remember just laying in my bed and I started to sing worship songs that I could remember. And what I experienced that day was that as I worshiped and as I sang his praises, the symptoms dissipated. Like I actually, it was, it was crazy. Like I can't, this story is not one in which I just sang one song and bam, I was healed and I jumped up out of my bed and I was all better. But what I can tell you is that in the actual moments of singing praises to Jesus, I didn't feel the symptoms. I felt like God was teaching me something that day about what we have access to through praise, through thanksgiving. And I remember, I'll never forget, and if you hang around this church long enough, you'll hear this story lots of times because I never forget it. And it's a good one. I remember being in Mexico with a group of people, with a team of people, and we were preaching, and there was thousands of people present, and across this field from me was a line of people in wheelchairs, and I turned to the people on our team, and I said, hey, what if we started to worship as though all those people just got up out of their wheelchairs? How would we respond? How would we celebrate? And just, I know for me, that question hitting my heart caused me to just, I went for it. I was singing with all I had. It was all in Spanish, and I was just going for it anyway, trying to, trying to engage my heart. That night, I saw a man who had been paralyzed for 30 years get up and walk. And his wife, who had pulled him out of his wheelchair to bathe him and to put him into bed for decades, wept and wept and wept. And I I start to get moved. Every time I retell and recall this story, and... And it was like it was in this place of of faith being stirred about just singing about Jesus. And I I can't tell you that, hey, if you just sing loud enough, you know, everyone will get healed. Like, I I don't know. I don't know how it all works. But what I do know is that when I sing and when I give thanks, my heart connects to this reality that is better than anything I see in front of me. In this earth. And I see some good stuff. Don't worry. It's not all bad. You are beautiful people. And it's great to be here together. But, but you know what I'm saying? There's like, there's a reality, a heavenly reality that supersedes all the pain and the brokenness of this world, all the injustice and the deception and the poverty. So feed on Jesus. Feed on the gospel. Feast on him through praise and thanksgiving. I even had the Paul and Silas story written down here. You mentioned it at the beginning. These guys go to jail and they start to sing praises. They don't go to jail and be like, this sucks. I'm done preaching the gospel. You know, they, they go to prison and they start to sing about Jesus. And there's an earthquake, and the doors fling wide open, and they're set free. I so want to know the joke happening over there, but hey. God is good.
Do you have a reason to rejoice always? Do you have someone you can talk to continually? Is there always a reason to give thanks? Called to be gates between heaven and earth. I just feel to read the scripture that got this all started for me once again. And we'll close, we'll pray. Maybe you guys got a song? Of course you do. They can't say no when I ask from the microphone. <sighs> do all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.